Welcome to the Content Podcast, conversations with Silicon Valley's creatives. I'm Daniel Garcia, your host and the cultivator of content magazine published by SV Creates. Hello, this is Jonathan. Today we talk with Jonathan Reese Williams. He's the executive director at the Tabard Theater. Um, I, I actually I need to ask a favor. Okay. Um, I, I, I got bad news from the uh, county this morning. Oh, no. Um, we've been told that we have to shut down. Oh, my gosh. Uh, we're not going to be able to go with our live stream this <sighs> weekend. And oh, man. as much as it would probably be a really great idea to <laughs> have this conversation sure. and uh, try to uh, like actually work things out, and I, I certainly want to you know, uh, to, I, I wanted, I'm just, I'm wondering if we can delay, uh, sure. maybe reschedule for another a couple of days or, or something like that. I'm, sure. just, I'm swamped trying to even just make sure that I'm able to pivot and yeah. cancel yeah. rehearsals, etc. Yeah, that's no problem, man. We can do it. And then, yeah. And then we could talk about that and then hopefully you have a new plan or something to go. I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm, I am really disappointed, frustrated to hear that. I, I, I know that because I think what I heard yeah. that you guys were looking to kind of get kind of like recognized as a studio or something like that. So that would make the live broadcast technically within the letter of the law or something. I, I've... Yeah, that was exactly right. Um, that's that's how we have been operating. We actually ran um, one production looking over the president's shoulder. We had 13, no, sorry, 11 performances of that show. And we did it with a robotic camera setup, but we did it very yeah. safely. We yeah. thought that we were completely in compliance. And what we were doing was saying, we are not a live theater right now. We are a live streaming studio. Yeah. And so we were looking at the rules that apply to uh, to television stations. And yeah. that's how we thought we were going to find a way to, to move through all of this. Um, and subsequently, since that live stream, we were contacted by the county, and I've made the arguments back and forth. The decision officially came down today, and I asked absolutely point blank. I said, is this a cease and desist order? And I was told by the county attorney's office that, yes, oh my gosh. this is a cease and desist. You cannot operate at this time. So That's um, crazy. You know, I think, yeah, I think if we went forward at this point, still – because I still believe we're in compliance, actually, because if, if we're a television studio, just like, you know, news stations and things like that, we're yeah. doing everything according to the letter of the law. Yeah. But if we move forward at this point, I think I could actually, you know, get fined or, right. or worse. Yeah. So. Better to hold off. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. I'm sorry exactly. about that. I'm sorry about that. And I'm, I hope it can get resolved. I know you're putting in all kinds of crazy hours, blood, sweat and tears and <laughs> anguish over it. So, um uh, yeah, so just I guess what you could do is we'll just I'll just email you and we could figure out a, a time and we can talk about um, I you know the sooner the the better because I do want people to hear kind of like this transition what's going on this journey that you guys are in I think it's important to kind of help rally some people because I don't think people understand yes you know so uh, yeah maybe even next week we could look at some times 
No, I would absolutely love to do it as soon as possible. But uh, you, even more on point, I was just thinking that I, you know, I just don't have the brain space right now as much as it would be a great idea to have, you know, I I do want to get the word out there and let people know that the arts are, you know, we've always in a precarious position. We're in a very precarious position now and trying to work with local government and just being told no. Um, But the point that you bring up is, you know, what I'm doing right now is trying to figure out what, what are we going to be able to do? And, um, we're trying to work out a deal right now with uh, Tom McHenry uh, and the ownership of the, the um, San Pedro market yeah. to see if we can actually do an outdoor version of this same thing. Right. Um, so hopefully in a week, I'll be able to tell you exactly what our plan is and how we are going to try to to muscle through all of this. So, I mean, I guess, so, I mean, at the technical point of view, it's because it's a theater. And so the moment that you do live streaming from a theater... Is that the kind of the, is that the gist of it? I mean, I just don't understand because it seems like people are doing yeah, live that's... streaming of all kinds of stuff, right? <laughs> yes. All the time everywhere. Yeah. It's the, it's the fact, and we still could live stream over, you know, Zoom or a platform like Zoom where individuals were able to be in the safety of their own homes. It's the fact that we're trying to bring a small group of people together in the theater itself Um, and actually do a performance that is live streamed from that stage. Okay. Um, We, we get it the way that we read the live theater rules really seems to be about um, having audience in the room, which we get, we we're not asking to have audience in the room. We're just asking to be, recognized like many other businesses which the way we read the rules is that means we can't have any more than uh one person per 250 square foot of airspace which for the size of our theater means that we can have 12 people in the room yeah yeah that kind of works out to about eight actors and four technicians in order to be able to actually produce a live stream yeah so that's how we were moving forward with the plans of opening arsenic and old lace on friday and now we're you know we're pivoting <laughs> we're, we're shifting yeah um yeah and I, I, the thing that i heard today which was the only new information is that the and this is the interpretation of the county attorney's office which is who was in the the zoom call today but according to this person the um, the head of the health department for the county, who has actually put together the this the shelter in place rules that we are all being governed by, mm-hmm. um, is under the belief that actors and singers and we're not doing singing. I, I understand actually more the argument for singers, sure. but they're claiming that actors are, are are also in this category because we project because we are uh, using our voices in a particular way. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, literally that we aerosolize yeah. our, you know, the st- stuff coming out of our bodies becomes more airborne than people at a restaurant or people in any other situation. Sure. Yeah. So uh, that's what they're holding on to. That's the one place where I'm like, well, I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, I would love to have some more uh, hard science behind that. Yeah. Um but yeah. I can't argue it either. Maybe you could do a production yeah, that's, that's arsenic and lace and uh, mask <laughs> or, or shield. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or just do the entire thing as interpretive mime dance. Right. Yeah. No, uh, yeah. no spoken word. Yeah. No, we'll use sign language to communicate everything. Or you can create a, a fifth wall, which is the a plexiglass. 
<laughs> between each <Right>. actor. <laughs> oh. No, I. So the thing that we're doing next, or we were going to do next, I'm definitely planning on doing it now because I have a really interesting thought about it. Is uh, we're going to do the. We were already pivoting towards uh, doing things as radio plays because one of the other rules, if we were able to do the live stream, is we still have to keep social distance. So the idea of, you know, doing Romeo and Juliet and having (laughs) the two lovers, you know, right, embracing each other, that's off the, we we know we can't do things like that. Um, But uh, so we're doing things as radio plays. Yeah, Um, that's great. People had individual microphones. Uh, where there's still some physicality on the stage. People are still in costumes, so there's a visual interest. Yeah. But the idea is that we keep that distance. Well, for War of the Worlds, which is going to be the next one, awesome, yeah. I was already planning on putting people in like four by four plexiglass isolation booths. Yeah, sound booth is just type thing, because. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I thought the aesthetic of that could be really interesting and then play that up inside of the drama of it. Yeah. Now I'm even pivoting further because I actually <laughs> I want to rewrite the whole thing <laughs> and turn instead of it being the Martians, I want it to be the right-wing uh, Republican <laughs> agendaists <laughs> that are coming up out of the out of the ground and trying to take over the the earth. Um <laughs> Yeah. If, there, if there's a subtle way that I can imply that inside of our stage version, I think that that could be really uh, interesting. Yeah, they could but just wear then, the hats. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, make Mars great again. Yeah, right. Oh, uh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, my yeah. gosh. That would be insane. Yeah. Uh, yeah well, anyway. That's actually, you know, I think that's a great idea. I love actually seeing those old uh, radio you know, programs where they get their hand on their ear and they're talking and they're acting it out. That's so fun. Even, I think even when you do animation, right. And they show the clips of Kevin Hart, you know, as he's animating or, oh, right. yeah, you know, yeah. that's kind of fun. That could be a really fun presentation. So yeah, cool. Yeah. Well, that was definitely the way that we were going because um, we're, we're doing whatever we can to try to abide by the rules, but still one create art because that's what we do. And we believe that it's good for the mental health and spiritual health of the community yeah. as well as our artists. Yeah. But also, um, the end of the day, uh, you know, just because we're sheltering in place doesn't mean I, I don't have to pay my rent. Um, yeah. We still have yeah. bills to pay. And, and I'm trying to keep people on payroll and make sure that they're uh, able to cover their bills. And um, yeah, with this new roadblock that's being thrown up, I, I think there's some real danger of artists. We're already in a vulnerable place. Yeah, uh, I, I'm just not sure how we're going to be able to survive this. But we'll we'll figure out a way. We'll, yeah. we'll keep fighting awesome. the fight. So um, I have to tell you. So what I do is actually I have this. I always have a backup recording. So I actually was recording what we were doing. Um, could we just put no a small little tidbit of this out? Because actually I had you slated to go up tomorrow because I really wanted it to go out. So uh-huh. or could I, I mean? Would you be able to? Would you want to talk just for fifteen minutes? Could you do a and I could. Add the real recording, like I'll hit yeah, the sure. real recording, you know, <laughs> just because yeah, I feel sure. like, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just feel like it's so timely that, and it I, is, I mean, it absolutely is. It absolutely is. So yeah, let's do it. Let, let's just do it. Okay. Yes. All right. Awesome. Good. I'm sorry to kind of push you on it. stuff. So I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm no, really let's, just let's do it. You know, we're in it now. Let's just do it. Let's do yeah, it. Yeah. Well, let's I was kind of thinking, of, whole... yeah, I kind of, okay, let's go. Well, let's go for the whole thing. Okay. Hello, this is Jonathan. 
Today we talk with Jonathan Reese Williams. He's the executive director at the Tabard Theater. Hey, Jonathan, this is Daniel. Thanks for taking time to talk to me today. Oh, hey, Daniel. It's good to talk with you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. So um, right now, I know as we're recording this, and this is going to go out tomorrow, um, you've been dealing with some stuff with doing uh, recorded performances and live performances that you've been kind of putting out. And um, so the county has just kind of said that you have to stop doing what you're doing, right? So can you kind of, before we get into even like your history coming to Tabard Theater, what's kind of... What was the phone call, the Zoom that you were just on today? Yeah, sure. Let me let me give you a little bit of lead up of how we got yeah. to where we are now. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm I'm relatively new at Tabard Theater Company. I, I joined on as the executive artistic director officially in July. I've been working for the company uh, pretty much this whole year. Came on back in uh, January, but officially took over leadership in July uh, July one. Um, of course, that's in the middle of the COVID <laughs> shutdown. Great time to take uh, on yeah. position. Yeah. Oh boy, yeah. I, um, you know, I missed that question in the job interview. I don't know how I didn't <laughs> uh, hear that this was going to be part of what I had to to work with, but uh, but yeah. here we are. And um, so, really, really quickly, inside of the shutdown, we were looking for ways that we were going to be able to continue to provide the work out into the world, both continue to support our artists, but also, uh, you know, for the the mental health, the spiritual health, if you will, of the people of um, Santa Clara County. Um, we really yeah. believe that arts is important in that way, and, and um, our constituents need that. Um, you know, Netflix is not enough. We also right. need to have other good live arts. So we decided that we were going to pivot to a live streaming model, and we looked at the, the COVID rules that were being put out, in particular a uh, 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 shelter-in-place order that was put out by the county health department on July 2nd. And our understanding of that and working with actually the information lines with the county, etc., was that we would be able to produce as a live streaming studio that um, in-person theater was not allowed at this time. And that makes sense. Having an audience in front of actors uh, is just too dangerous right now. Uh, gathering the public is too difficult to control, trace route, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's, yeah. There's just too much to worry about. So we went ahead and um, we got some uh, some donated funds from the, the Silicon Valley Community Foundation. We put that together with our own, um, uh, you know, blood, sweat and tears. And yeah. we created a three camera uh, robotic uh, live streaming studio inside of the theater. We completely converted the theater over to a live stream studio. Uh, that includes like removing the seating. We actually pulled all the chairs out, restoring those down in the basement. We've wow. created distancing between the uh, technicians that run the uh, shows. Normally, they'd be kind of huddled together in the in the tech booth. Right. Uh, we've actually pulled those stations apart so that the the lighting technician and the sound technician and the camera technician can have safe distances. And um, we had a show uh, back in March called Looking Over the President's Shoulder with uh, James Creer, a fantastic actor, um, which was a one-person show. Uh, um, and, and so we thought that's a, that's a perfect platform yeah. to, to bring back. It's a perfect product to bring back. It's, we know what we're doing. Um, we, we had people that had tickets for performances that were canceled. So we thought, we'll bring this back. We'll, we'll give back to the community in this way. 
Yeah. Uh, and that's what we did. We ran 11 performances at the end of July and the beginning of August. Um, it was well received. We had a tremendous number of technical issues that we had to resolve. And we put a tremendous amount of time, effort and uh, cash dollars into yeah. making that work. And again, it was our understanding at that time that we were completely in compliance. Um, yeah. After those three weekends of shows were complete, we got a message from the county attorney's office, um, actually from uh, the Office of Emergency Business Affairs, I believe is the title. I might be getting that wrong exactly. Huh. But uh, letting us know that there had been a complaint of some kind and huh. that that was leading to them needing to do a follow-up phone call and uh, get some clarification about how we were doing business and what that meant. Um, you know, basically what I thought at that time was just, hey, tell us what you're doing so that we can maybe help support you. Uh, we right. were looking for <laughs> clarification. We yeah. were we were hoping that the that the county would say, yeah, no, this is great, but maybe you want to think about adding additional hand washing stations or something like that. Yeah. We were we were looking to have that kind of partnership with the county. Unfortunately, that has led to approximately the last month of phone calls back and forth trying to get absolute clarification. So all of that culminated in a phone call, well, actually a Zoom conversation that happened this morning uh, with Dave Cortese, uh, the um, uh, county supervisor, Dave Cortese, uh, former mayor Tom McHenry, who's become a tremendous supporter of ours and has really helped us uh, open doors and get these conversations to happen, and a couple of folks from the county attorney's office. And we were told um, pretty much straight up, no, you cannot uh, continue in this way. Um, I believe yeah. uh, that the concerns are uh, about... Uh, actors basically it's, it comes down to having a certain number of people inside of an enclosed space we thought that we were in compliance but they're really standing behind the idea that we um, are not able to classify ourselves i guess as a live streaming studio uh, but that the rules that are governing live theater are the ones that we have to look to and okay. uh, those rules are pretty clear that right now live theater is just not allowed so um, so as according to like the way the the law or the ordinances are so you can have a retail space that has a certain number of people per square footage inside of it you could have because um, now they're opening it up i think in even to some indoor dining right and it's going to be limited to the space and the number of people and then you could have i believe a, that's correct you can have a so you can have a studio like a, a tv recording studio with same thing keeping social distance and all that kind of stuff but since yeah. you are a theater right? You're not necessarily like a, a production studio. You fall underneath the, the guidelines of live theater, which they're under the assumption that people are close together, there's audience, and actors are um, projecting, <laughs> right? Is that kind of like the idea that it's a different, it's a different category? Yes, that's my understanding. Right. Uh, and okay. we're, you know, continuing to try to understand exactly how these rules are playing out. And, you know, first and foremost, we absolutely understand and sure. want to comply. We're not trying to do things that are going to endanger people. We yeah, believe not. that we have a safe working model that, uh, as you were just pointing out, is uh, comparable to, if not exceeding, 
uh, the health precautions that other businesses across the county uh, are uh, adhering to. Right. Um, you're, I, I, I'm not sure exactly when indoor dining is, is happening, but I think that that is part of the new rollout. Um, mm. But I also look at things like, um, like churches, um, yeah. religious organizations are allowed to stream their services on Sundays. Yeah. Um, that it seems to me very, very similar. It's a small group of individuals that are in front of cameras and a small yeah. group of technicians, which are recording and then sending out to their constituency. Yeah. Um, I also look at, like I mentioned before, television studios, uh, television yeah. studios are allowed to, you know, local news broadcasts, etc. Those things are being allowed. And then it even just dawned on me this morning, you know, the NBA is playing basketball games. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. So yeah. if yeah. if they're worried about people being indoors and, uh, you know, uh, aerosol, aerosolizing uh, the the what's yeah. coming out of their lungs, you know, there's obviously there's there's just different rules for different groups. And right. uh, yeah. the arts are getting the short end of the stick right now. And. Um, we are a valuable part of the community, not just in the service that we create, the, the, the stories that we tell, the way that we bring people together, but also economically. We support, uh, yeah. you know, not a huge number of, per, of individuals uh, just at Tabard, but when you look across our region and you look across the state and across the country, the arts employ thousands and thousands of people. And all of those people are, uh, are unemployed right now. Yeah. Um, they're they're waiting for something to change, um, but very quickly it, we are starting to become a very vulnerable population that is going to have a hard time surviving this. And um, we just are trying to look for a solution so that we can offer what we offer to the community and we can keep ourselves working. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. I mean, what what does it mean financially for? I mean, a theater. You know, you don't have to use necessarily Tabard as the the example. But to be shut down for what is it now? How many months? Almost six months. Well, Are we it's it's on... more than six months now. Right. Yeah. Um, to be closed so... that long is crazy, right? As far as for a budget, <laughs> how do yeah? How do I mean, it's, just crazy. it's crippling. It's it's absolutely yeah. crippling. Yeah. The first thing that we did when we when the shutdown happened within a week or or two. As the it became very apparent that this was going to last a while, that this wasn't going to be just a handful of days. Right. Uh, we reduced all uh, overhead to the absolute bare minimum. Uh, yeah. We informed our landlords that we were looking for some temporary rent relief. Um, yeah. We we unfortunately had to let people that were not core staff members go. Yeah. As a matter of fact, the only way that we're, we were able to even keep core staff is because we did get some assistance, some relief through uh, government programs like the PPP loans and right, EIDL yeah. loans and things like that. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, we had to look at everything and say, we've got to cut our expenses to an absolute minimum because uh, you literally overnight, the yeah. income coming into the company went to zero. Uh, yeah. it was, you can just look at the, you know, you look at the bank records. It was like, we were making, you know, we don't make a lot of money, you know, if a few sure. hundred dollars, you know, if we, if we made a thousand dollars on a day, that's like, wow, that was a really, really good day. Yeah. But it went from those kinds of numbers just down to absolutely zero. Yeah. Um, and then you have to, and then you're looking at the next year's season as well, because this one's kind of passed and then you have to figure out what are you going to do? So that's why you're trying to develop yeah. these new programs, right? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. Yeah, first and foremost, 
you know, we were still two shows away from completing the season that we were in the middle of. We had Looking Over the President's Shoulder, which had just gone up, but we had uh, planned to present Secret Garden. Uh, Both of those shows, those are shows that we had already sold tickets for. Right. So we had ticket holders. That's, you know, the, the little bit of money that we did have in the bank. We were like, uh, do we have to give all this back now? Right. And yeah. then comes, we would normally, and we had already announced what was going to be our 20th anniversary season, which is the season that we're about to start. Uh, Arsenic and Old Lace would be the first production of our 20th anniversary season. And now we can't sell season subscriptions or single tickets to that. Now, we have been doing that and we have seen a tremendous amount of goodwill coming to us. And uh, the people that are the usual supporters of the organization uh, have been absolutely fantastic, both donating money and then buying tickets for what I have up to this point been promising them would be uh, delivered as live stream. And now yeah. I'm looking at that. All of a sudden, I'm back to the same uh, example that I was in March. Uh, yeah. I'm going to have to look at those dollars and say, do we have to give these back? Or do I have to you know, tuck my tail and go back to my subscribership and say, hey, are you willing to donate this money? Uh, yeah. it's, uh, yeah. it's a difficult financial situation. And ultimately, we're going to lose face with our constituency because this will now be the second major time that we've had to have said, Hey, we have to change everything that we're doing. And, uh, please don't ask for your money back. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I hope that, I mean, I think I, I, I feel like for a lot of people, there's an understanding, you know what I mean? Of what's going on. And I think people have been pretty gracious, you know, to kind of help out. And I hope that you're Oh, they really have been. I mean, absolutely tremendously gracious and really, really generous. There's really, at this point, you asked earlier, how are we surviving this financially? It's a little bit because there's been some government support. Those things are not insignificant. It's been a little bit about us trying to figure out how to to keep the costs down and, you know, to really pull the belt as tight as possible. But the other side of it is absolutely the core constituency that we have reaching out and making donations uh, giving their ticket dollars back to us and not asking for anything in return. It's yeah. been absolutely tremendous. And that's why yeah. I was so much looking forward to being right. able to provide something back to them. And yeah. Say, hey, thank you so much for supporting us over the last six months. Here we go. Here's yeah. the live stream that I've been saying that we're going to be able to provide. And now we're looking for a different way to make that happen. Now, could if what if you were to take the whole production and move it into a church, <laughs> would that qualify? <laughs> is it just is it just because your building is qualified, or is it because it's the actual activity? Do you know what I mean? That's kind of what I'm I, trying to figure out. I, I mean, believe that the, it's the activity is where we're going to yeah. get the hang up. Uh, you know, so that's no matter where you go, yeah. I think yeah. so. Um, I don't know that for for sure. Um, one of the first things that I did back when I was initially seeking these, this clarification from the county and the city uh, is if, if we are going to pref- uh, uh, if we're going to adopt the business model of being a live stream studio, and then how do, how do I make that legitimate? Yeah. Uh, do I sign up for a new business license? Right. Do I have yeah. to go and ask for a facility variance from the city? Uh, you know, right. I've been in the arts and been a producer and an a executive director of arts organizations for the last 20 years. Okay. I'm used to working with uh, state, local uh, legislative legislation, yeah. working with our public officials to be able to make these kinds of things happen. So yeah. that was one of the frustrating things that has been going on over the last month was just trying to get clear answers. Yeah. So as I understand right now, the answer is no arts as uh 
people performing in front of even just cameras is just simply not allowed under the under the guidelines as they stand. Um, yeah. And now I believe that our officials are going to try to help us find a way through this, but it's um, it's not happening very quickly. And sure. um, yeah. that's that's I think the big thing is as things start to ease up and we are able to see the relaxing of these restrictions, we need to find a, a path back and we need to do it quickly because otherwise the arts is going to we're we're just going to see arts organizations uh, starting to shut their doors. We, we've seen it in in San Jose and in Santa Clara. Unfortunately, all too often in the last ten years, we've watched organizations yeah. like San Jose Repertory Theater Company and American yeah. Musical Theater Company that have not been able to survive. And those are not during pandemic shutdowns. So yeah, uh, yeah. well, I appreciate your your attitude. It sounds like you know you're you're really wanting to work. Um, you know, with the government. And I, and I agree too. I think that they're going to try to do what they can, um, you know, and it's all about relationships and everything. And they're trying to figure it out as, as they go forward too. But I appreciate you seem to, you know, being trying to do whatever you can. And I'm always surprised at theaters, the amount of actually <laughs> legal aspect that's going on with theaters from the rights of getting something to perform to, you know, the, the, the unions that you have to work with, it's kind of a, it's kind of a really, uh, what a legislated art form in some ways, right. To protect the, the actors and the, the writers and the producers. So, um, you've kind of seen that you've had to work with that throughout your 20 years, I guess, with all those different aspects. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I've been, I've been aware of all this stuff my entire career. I started out as an actor myself and I continue to be a, a uh, card-carrying uh, member of the Actors <laughs> Equity Association, the Union for Stage Actors. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm a, a big believer in the unionization of labor that sure. goes along with uh, theaters. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's there's a tremendous amount of legislation that has to be dealt with, and uh, an arts organization as it stands, because of the capital, uh, the the, the capitalist um, economic model that we live in inside of the United States, we operate as not-for-profit public benefit organizations. Right. Um, And I don't think a lot of people really understand that. Um, If you're going to a big Broadway show, if you're going to go and see Hamilton and pay $200 a ticket, then you're in a different world. But most local arts organizations, and I'm talking about the big dogs like American Conservatory Theater in San Francisco and Theater Works up the peninsula, as well as smaller organizations like Tabard Theater Company or City Lights Theater Company. Yeah. Any of the, the companies that, that you would probably go and visit and support here in the Bay Area, these are all not-for-profit organizations. So that yeah. means that we uh, rely on donations uh, and uh, public support, um, yeah. both from city, local, state uh, governments, in order to be able to survive. Um, yeah. Most arts organizations uh, need about 50% or sometimes even more of the funding that allows them to operate and to provide these services for the, org- for, for the public. Yeah. Those monies come from either individual donations or uh, corporate or government grants. Yeah. So um, because of that, yeah, we're highly regulated. We have to really dot all the I's, cross all the T's and make sure that we are, we are working as a, with, uh, in, in trust with the public. Right. Yeah. So um, I, I'm, we have a great, tremendous show. I'm personally not going to see any kind of financial benefit from that. I work for that company. That company is a public organization. Uh, yeah. And yeah, we, 
we have to think about the, the, the people that work for us. We have to think about the writers who write the material, yeah. making yeah. sure that they're, um, you know, getting their fair share of what, uh, what's being brought in. Uh, and then, um, a lot of times the, the buildings and, and the uh, performance spaces that we use are sometimes yeah. publicly <laughs> held locations, yeah. things like that. So we're working with governments all the time. Um, yeah. And we believe we bring a tremendous uh, uh, support to, the, uh, to, to our local folks. You know, not everybody is necessarily a live theater lover, uh, but there's lots of different kinds of arts that you can engage in inside of the Silicon Valley. Um, personally, I love performing arts because it has a sense of community, because yeah. it's uh, not right now, because it's uh, you know we are live streaming everything, but usually it's a group of people coming together in a room and actually interacting with one another, and then collectively experiencing that piece of art that's being put on the stage. And I think that's tremendously yeah. powerful and really good for the soul, and keeps yeah. us human and in contact with one another. Well, it's so important just the the aspect of theater and storytelling. Right. And then to be able to do that live is such a different thing than seeing something, you know, in a performance on screen or something like that. It's a whole different kind of um, interaction. Now, so when you began, you started out in theater, even in high school, right? Is that kind of your entree into the, the art form or oh, absolutely. earlier no, than that? I've, oh, even earlier than that. Now, not necessarily <laughs> full length plays and that kind of thing, but um I was in my first Christmas pageant when I was five years old. <laughs> Were you I, Rudolph or something? <laughs> no, no, I was Joseph, actually. I was okay. Joseph in, in a very, uh, you know, uh, Christian-centric uh, uh, Christmas pageant. Um, but, uh, yeah, so um, the, the, the sort of the family uh, uh, legend, the family tale... <laughs> that I was a very hyperactive kid and I used to bounce off the walls and uh, my mom came to see this little Christmas pageant and the basically it just entailed uh, all of us kids walking up one after another and basically creating a scene in front of everybody right <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and since I was Joseph Joseph and Mary walk onto the stage first and we stood like basically creating this tableau yeah. Uh, and my mom said that I stood perfectly still for 20 minutes straight. And she thought, okay, there's it's something a miracle. to do this. Yeah. It's a miracle of Christmas. Yeah. So then, yeah, when do, when do you think you got the, the bug then for theater and for acting and everything? Oh, definitely by the time I was in high school, I knew that this is my, that this was my career path that this is what I wanted to do for a living. And I took it very seriously from, from that time on. Um, I, I started to try to find training right away. I I went to the summer training Congress at American conservatory theater right out of high school. Um, a year or so later, I went and got my degree from California Institute of the arts down in Valencia and Los Angeles. And, uh, so yeah, I've been, um, thinking of this as a profession and wanting to do this, uh, professionally, uh, pretty much my whole adult life. Yeah. yeah. Uh, joining the union back in my twenties and, uh, founded, um, a theater company in Sacramento, yeah. uh, myself, uh, my now ex-wife and a third partner, uh, created capital stage company in Sacramento, yeah. which we grew from about a quarter of a million dollar, uh, arts organization to a $1.2 million arts organization in the first 10 years of its existence. 
it still operates up there and is a valuable part of the arts fabric up there in Sacramento. Yeah, uh, very, great. very proud of what we were able to do there. Uh, yeah. And then about five years ago, I left that. We put that into new leadership uh, up there and uh, moved on. And I, I moved back to the Bay Area where I, I was born and raised uh, in, in this neck of the woods. Uh, moved back in this area to be close to my family as, as my mom passed away just a few years ago. And I wanted to be here to help with that transition in my family. Yeah. And then ended up uh, applying for this position with Tabard Theater Company and um, got selected. I'm very, very happy to, uh, very honored to have the support of the board of directors and the founder, yeah. uh, Kathy Cassetta. Uh, now I'm kind of back home uh, right. working at a theater that um, actually 20 something years ago before I went up to Sacramento, I worked on this stage before it was even the Tabard Theater Company. This uh, um, Gary DiMattei uh, started an arts organization called Theater on San Pedro Square oh, back okay. in the 90s. Yeah. And I was on stage uh, at this particular theater, the actual physical venue, uh, even back then. It's sort of a nice full circle. I, I, it was one of the locations that I started early on in my career as an actor. And now I've come back and I'm the, uh, the leader of the arts organization that's resident there at that company now. Yeah. How do you how do you make the transition then from being actor to, uh, you know, executive director? What's what's some of the the leadings in your life that caused that? Was it uh, because the difficulty of making a living as an actor? (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, No, not exactly. I would say that more it had to do with that. I think of it as more of a sort of a natural evolution. Yeah. That went from me being uh, starting out as an actor, but as my sort of view of the art form began to broaden, I moved from actor to director, okay. uh, director and uh, designer. And mm-hmm. then eventually sort of the natural evolution of that was to become a producer. Um, mm-hmm. I think about it in terms of uh, sort of growing my understanding of the art form and my commitment to the art form. So it's, um, and it's a little bit, to be honest, I think of it as a little bit of shedding the ego. When you okay. first start out as an actor, it's very sort of, a, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're doing that. It's, it's, the attention is all on you. Uh, yeah. it's, it's a, you get the applause at the end. When you start becoming a director, you kind of start removing yourself from that and you start looking at the big picture. When you become a producer, you start looking at it even a larger level. Now we're talking, yeah. what are we providing to our audience, to our constituency uh, on a year-by-year basis, not even just on the totality of the production? Yeah, yeah, that's cool. So then as the executive artistic director, what what is your role? What's some of the things that you do other than have Zoom calls with the county? <laughs> well, right now I feel like a too too large of a part of my job is having Zoom calls. With <laughs> yeah. But um, no, so uh, the executive artistic director, which is the position that I have, you know, you've you've got artistic leadership, and then you've got executive leadership, and with a smaller arts organization, very often you find that those two things are combined. Yeah. Um, so what that means is that as the artistic leader. I'm looking at uh, how a season is planned. I'm looking at uh, what are the aesthetic and, uh, you know, what, what kind of art are we putting up on the stage and providing for our constituency? Yeah. Um, as the executive director, I am uh, looking at how does the business run? How do we make sure that we uh, 
you know, keep to budgets? Um, how do we make sure that we're able to fundraise the additional dollars above and beyond ticket sales? Yeah. So really, it's looking at the whole business. And, uh, you know, it's the business of show, as they say, right? Yeah, yeah. Awesome. So it's it's looking at that in... Uh, and, and I think it's it's important, it's always been important to me to have those two things go hand in hand. Uh, yeah. if, it's just a, if it's just an arts organization that operates as a business, it's hollow. It doesn't have a soul. Right. Uh, but if it's an arts organization that doesn't, um, it's not fiscally responsible, it's just not going to be around very long. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so totally. making sure that you have that, there's kind of a tension there, if you will, right? There's a, yeah. a pull back and forth between wanting to do things that have artistic relevance, but also needing to know that you're doing things that are financially responsible. Yeah. Yeah. Got to put butts in seat still, right? <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. What would you say then for, um, and you probably kind of had thought about this, um, you know, coming into the position, but what would you say, uh, you know, historically, but then also too for the future, what would you see is? Uh, Tabard's Theater's voice, or what would you say that the like the flavor that you were looking to bring, or you wanted to continue to bring um, here to the South Bay with with the theater? I think that arts in the best possible uh, world uh, is really here to uh, have ourselves ask questions about what our human experience is all about. Um, what does it mean to be a, a human being and experiencing life on this planet? Um, sometimes that is as simple as uh, enjoying a good comedy and a good laugh with the people in the theater. Mm -hmm. But I'm also hoping that that is also looking at some of the difficulties, the social difficulties that we that we face um, and responding to the environment ar around us. Um, and I, want, I like to keep it on a human level. Okay. Um, right now, for example, there, I mean, there's so many things to talk about right now as far as what's going on inside of the United yeah. States, but just uh, simply to look at the Black Lives Matter movement and to yeah. look at um, the, the voices of the BIPOC community and the folks that are, uh, have, have been historically underrepresented uh, or mm -hmm. even just seriously mistreated inside of our society and ask ourselves why, how did we get here? Uh, yeah. What can we do to make this better, make it more equitable, more fair for all individuals? Yeah. Um, yeah. Th those kinds of stories are powerful and they're important. Uh, and they need to be told. Yeah. Um, I uh, Striking the balance of being able to do that. I'm, I'm very aware that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a middle-aged white guy. Um, yeah. I don't necessarily represent those, uh, those people. Um, there's all sorts of different multicultural, wonderful uh, uh, folks and, and, and different points of view here in the Silicon Valley. So what I'm really looking at as we start to develop uh, the, the new season, really, I think that yeah. this will manifest mostly when I get to season 21, which yeah. will hopefully be through COVID and maybe right. as we start to return back to the theater. Uh, is both having a equal representation of these kinds of stories and voices and representation on the stage, but also inviting uh, other cultures to come in and use our facility and tell stories in their way. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah. I think that that can be tremendously powerful for uh, our more sort of uh, um, standard audience uh, so that they've got a exposure to a, a broader cultural, uh, you know, uh, 
just a deeper cultural uh, experience, yeah. uh, but also giving opportunities for people to actually have their voice on the stage. Um, it, it might be a little bit idealistic and it might take us a little while to get there, but that's, I think, what we are going to really push towards at Tabard. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. What about you, Jonathan? What's uh, What would you say is your kind of like mission in life or your call or your direction, focus? That's to tell interesting stories. Absolutely. I've been cool. a storyteller all my life. And uh, I, I, I used to think of it actually as, as stories. And mm-hmm. now I, that's even evolving for me. Now oh, it's, yeah? it's presenting conversations. Okay. Uh, and yeah. I think that's one of the things that's important about theater as opposed to, like, say, film or television. Um, there's, there's no escaping the, the idea that film and television is kind of a one-way street. You sit and you, you receive. Yeah. Yeah. And the same type of thing happens when you go and you sit in the theater. But you are part of the experience as an, a, as an audience member. And any actor, yeah. any stage actor will tell you that everything changes once an audience is there in the room. Sure. And different nights, um, different audiences bring a different absolute too. Yeah. Different energy, something different happens. You go and see a show on a Friday night, you go back two weeks later on a Sunday afternoon, you see a different show. And not yeah. completely different, obviously, but it's going to change. Every every individual performance is unique. Yeah. Um, and if you put that together with the idea of doing creating uh, conversations, uh, being able to represent different points of view on the stage. Yeah. Then you arrive at that level of, of, of conversation that I'm talking about. That's that great. to me is kind of the greatest thing that theater can bring. And that is very much what I, what drives me, what makes me want to continue to do this art form and makes me excited about overcoming these challenges and bringing <laughs> it back here in Santa Clara. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. Yeah. Just the communication is that it's that connection, you know, with ideas and thoughts yes. and people and it's the human experience, right? Well, I uh, appreciate you, and um, I look forward to meeting you in person someday. I imagine that'll happen. <laughs> I sure um, hope so. Absolutely. Yeah. Sooner and, rather than later. Yeah, and I look forward to uh, hearing what's, you know, how the county gives you a green light to do the performances coming up. That would be really great. And I, you have a great... Well, you know, I'll definitely stay in touch and let you know what the next steps for Tabard are. Yeah. We are going to find a way to uh, make sure that this show gets uh, out into the world. Uh, we're not yeah. exactly sure what that is right now, but we're going to yeah. keep working with our, our local officials and uh, folks like uh, you know, uh, former Mayor Tom McHenry yeah. and find a way to get this out there. Yeah, he has a love for it. He wrote a play, actually, that was supposed to be was supposed to open up on March 17th, it was St. Patrick's Day, which yes. was the day that they gave the shelter-in-place order. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it was going to be a three below. Yeah, with below. three below with those yeah. folks over there. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's crazy. Yes, very aware of that. And uh, hopefully, if we're able to create this live streaming studio, uh, organizations like Three Below, yeah. uh, people that had plays that were ready to go, I would yeah. love to open up our stage and have them come over and do a live stream version and, and be able to present yeah. in that way. We are, we're making this investment um, not just for ourselves, but for other arts organizations. That's awesome. Well, thank you. And keep on uh, fighting the good fight for theater. Oh, I did ask, want to ask you one question. Are you a triple threat? Are you a singer, dancer, and performer, actor? No, no. No, I'm a, a, like a, 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 a two minus <laughs> <laughs> I, I can I can act 
and I, at least people tell me I can. I, <laughs> I can sing on a good day, but yeah, try to get me to dance anything, and you'll 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 throw me out the door. No so good it's it's still the all. you're still doing Joseph. <laughs> you're standing still for the <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's Absolutely. your that's your part. Well, cool. Well, thank you, Jonathan. I really appreciate you taking time for this conversation, and um, we definitely want to hear um, you know what's going on next, and so we'll keep in touch. Absolutely. I'll I'll keep you in touch and let you know what happens. Yeah. And thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Sure. No problem. Thank you. Find out more about the Tabard Theater by going to their website at tabardtheater.org. Also consider making a contribution by going to their website, tabardtheater.org slash donate. Theaters can really use your help during this time. In addition to publishing content magazine, SV Creates has seminars and workshops to help the local artist community be equipped for their work. From time to time, we'll be checking in with Alyssa to see what's going on with SV Creates. Alyssa, how are you doing? Hi, Daniel. I'm great. I wanted to tell you about our upcoming workshop with um, Nina Simon. Nina is the author of The Art of Relevance, um, former director of the Santa Cruz Museum of Art and History, and founder of the Of, By, For, All Network. She will join us on September 23rd to talk about what relevance looks like in post-COVID era and share concrete strategies to help your team revision your organization and your relationship with the communities that matter most to your future. Um, You can visit svcreates.org, our website, for a link to register. Sounds good. Thanks, Alyssa. Thank you for listening to the Content Magazine podcast. Follow us on social media at Content Mag. Visit our website to become a member and help us to continue to tell the stories of the local creators. This episode's music is Time Alone by Mild Monk. Follow him on Spotify and also on his Instagram at Mild Monk Music. 